This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at the BatmanUniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Gotham City, like any other large metropolis, abounds in girls of all shapes and sizes. Debutantes, nurses, stenographers, and librarians. Gotham City Library, Miss Gordon speaker. Lopez hair removal, this is Jose. Holy transformation. One minute, plain Barbara Gordon, librarian and Commissioner Gordon's daughter. And the next minute, something new has been added. Batgirl, modeled after her idol, Batman. Holy apparition! No, boy, wonder I'm Batgirl. You are no longer alone, Cape Crusaders. It took me three years to track down the Jade Gato, and three more to figure out how to steal it. Funny, it only took me ten minutes to figure out how to snatch it back. No matter how you do it, crime doesn't pay girls. Hakuna Matata! It means no worries! Hakuna Matata! What a wonderful phrase! Hakuna Matata! Ain't no peasant craze! It means no worries for the rest of your days! It's our problem free! Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata? Yeah, it's our motto. What's a motto? Nothing. What's a motto with you? <laughs> you know, these two words will solve all your problems. That's right. Take Pumbaa, for example. Why? When he was a young warthog. When I was a young warthog. Very nice. Thanks. He found his aroma like a certain appeal. He could clear the savannah after every meal. I'm a sensitive soul, though I seem thick-skinned. And it hurt that my friends never stood downwind. And oh, the shame. He was a shame. What a change in my name. Oh, what's in a name? And I got downhearted. How did you feel? Every time that I... Hey, Pumper, not in front of the kids. Oh, sorry. Hakuna Matata, what a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata, ain't no passing craze. It means no worries for the rest of your days. Yes, say it, kid. It's our problem-free philosophy. Hakuna Matata. Sawate, I'm your host, Stella. And this is Backworld Oracle, the Barbara Gordon Podcast, episode 162, Baltimore Comic Con 2018, for October MMXVIII. Backworld Oracle is brought to you by MileHighComics.com, your new and collectible comic book store. Mile High Comics has an inventory of over 5 million comics from the gold, silver, bronze, and modern age, and over 100,000 trade paperbacks. If you're not into the vintage stock, Mile High Comics also has a subscription service called the New Issue Comics Express, offering a discounted price for comics ready to hit the shelves. So if you're looking for vintage back issues or a great modern subscription service, be sure to check out MileHighComics.com. Well, this is going to be one of those quick and dirty episodes. Because, not much to report, but I did want to at least talk a little bit about Baltimore Comic Con, and the people at Baltimore Comic Con were nice enough to let me go as press, and so I do want to promote their convention so that other people go there, and I I do owe them that, so I'm going to talk a little bit about it. So, it happened 
the weekend of the 28th, 29th, and 30th of September. And I had work on the 28th, so I was unable to go that first day, but I drove up afterwards. And it takes about three hours to get up to Baltimore from where I am. But once I hit 495, which is called the Capitol Beltway, it added an hour onto my time. And so it took me about four hours there. So getting out at school at about four and then driving up, got there about eight. So I knew I was going to miss things on Friday, but I was just hoping that I'd be able to go up and have dinner with my pals. And I was, in fact, able to do that, which is great. So the main purpose for me for going to Baltimore Comic Con was, in fact, actually hanging out with friends and fellowshipping. I missed San Diego Comic Con this year because I went to Kenya. I decided not to go to Comic Con to just carve out some contemplative space and think about my time at Kenya. And so this was an opportunity to go to a convention, but I wasn't really approaching it in the same way that I normally do San Diego Comic-Con. So I didn't really have a list of what I was going to do. I was getting frequent emails, but even, you know, I might have looked at the guest list a couple times, but I didn't even look at the panels or anything. So I was just really going up there to hang out with the people that I knew were going. So they should feel pretty happy about that. (laughs) Just that, you know, they were the reason that I was going up. So Saturday was my first full day, and I woke up and this was one of the highlights of the con is I woke up early about 7 30 a.m and Shagalicious himself came to my hotel and then we ran we ran from my hotel to the Oriole Stadium and back twice and it was number one it was very pleasant and beautiful weather number two going to the stadium and, and running around there was also a lot of fun but just just being able to run with a friend and run with a friend with whom I wouldn't normally be able to run with was just a lot of fun and I made a, a video of it and <laughs> another friend Luke Dobb had uh, he was watching it randomly at dinner I think on Saturday and just started cracking up because I'm narrating this you know shag is Maybe heavy breathing, who knows? He's carrying his little towel, and he says at one point, I don't know this homeless woman. (laughs) So that was certainly a highlight. So that's how my Saturday started off. I didn't have any plans to go to any panels. I didn't bring any books. I guess I was really ill-prepared. Had I rethinking it, I think I probably actually should have brought some Suicide Squad because John Ostrander was there, and I should have just, I should have brought something. But And I'll get into Baltimore Comic-Con itself, like why you should definitely go. I I guess I should have just planned better. So that was my my bad thing. But when I came, I I thought there aren't really any comics that I'm necessarily looking for, but I do want to complete or get the the remaining volumes of the Rust series by Royden Lepp. And actually, like the first vendor that I went to that was 50% off trades number one they were practically in alphabetical order which is so lovely because at comic-con in san diego it's just ridiculous you you have to go through everything but these are actually you know the r's is right there rust so i got volume two three and then the prologue so i'm just missing volume four so that was the one get that i wanted and then i was also going to look for a couple pops i went in hoping to get two pops pop figures from the new Marvel Spider-Man game on PS4. I want to get the Mary Jane and then the Spider-Man one with his mask off where you can see that, of course, he's Peter Parker. So those that was actually my goal right there was just to buy those things and then, of course, hang out with my friends. I found out that Tom King was going to be there. And so my hope in, in getting press is that maybe I could sit down with him because I know the Batman universe with Dustin and – or not with Dustin – the Batman universe with Josh and Don, they were unable to do that at San Diego Comic-Con. I'd contacted DCPR a couple of times, but just uh, nothing, unfortunately, could get set up. So that fell through, but I knew he was going to be there. And so I was going to try to get a signature, which I I feel like I've probably not gotten a signature from him, which is funny because I've talked with him several times and he recognizes me and everything. 
So this trip, instead of buying prints and things, I decided I'm going to start a sketchbook because it's more personal. I can ask, you know, particular artists that I like their style or artists that maybe I'm a big fan of and get them to do something that means something to me uh, rather than a print potentially. And so I started a sketchbook and it's going to be of Batgirl or Barbara Gordon or Barbara. Digging Babs in whatever way could be Batgirl and Nightwing or Barbara Gordon and her dad, Jim Gordon. So those are sort of the options that I want to keep in my in my sketchbook. So I had known a couple people from Heroes Con that had been doing sketchbooks as well. And I suppose I was, I was naive because I thought, oh, you drop a sketchbook off at an artist. Maybe they say, like, I'll be done in an hour. You pay them. You come back and pick it up and move on. But really, you know, they take – they need their time. So unless you want a really terrible sketch, you're, it's it might be half a day. So a couple people that I know, they actually have like three or so sketchbooks. So they just divvy them out and then keep track of them and come back and pick them up and then divvy them out again. So that's something I could potentially consider for the future. And maybe I was thinking about what my second sketchbook would be if I got one. And I was thinking it'd be fun to either have Kitty Pride or Spider-Man. I think that'd be that'd be a lot of fun. So I have my my top two heroes being, you know, Batgirl and Spider-Man or Kitty Pride, of course, is my favorite X-Men. So I brought a sketchbook and wasn't really sure I was going to sort of walk around and scout out what people I would like. But I definitely thought, oh, this will be really fun to get Tom King to do one of his bad doodles that if you follow him on Instagram, he posts a lot because people will give him uh, his issues and stuff, especially Elmer Fudd. And he takes his silver Sharpie and like draws on the outline, whereas compared to someone like Lee Weeks or someone doing their drawings uh it's just really poor and he usually writes i'm sorry under it and then signs it so i thought how fun this would be before all that i was just walking around i would hang out with shagalicious or other people who were there and oh by the way when it opened i got my press pass and i saw tom there tom and i got to meet his son and also Gene Hendricks from the Hammer Strikes podcast and his family. That was a lot of fun. And his daughter was wearing uh, a Batgirl. She was cosplaying as Batgirl, which was a lot of fun. and got a picture with her. So I met up with them, and then we split off immediately. And Tom King was going to sign at once, so I knew I probably – I was told that yesterday he had the longest line. It was like back by the wall. So I knew I was going to have to get into line sooner rather than later. So I just hung around the other people, walked around, uh, waited in line with them while they were getting different signatures on things. So some people you could expect to see. Uh, Joe Giello was there, John Ostrander that I mentioned, Terry Moore, Louise and Walt uh, Simonson. Just it seems like a lot of big names in in comics. Yeah, just past and present big names in comics. So waited around with them. And then I went over to Luke Dobbs table and picked up a Batgirl sticker and a Martin sticker, which you have to check out Luke Dobb on Instagram and see all of his great drawings as well as just Martin. I empathize with Martin. And oh, he's just he's a wonderful little leaf. He's very cute. So I got that. And I had found out just Facebook when I posted that I was coming to Baltimore Comic Con, Scott Larson, whom I knew way back in my crawl space days, he was going to be there. So I, I saw him, I met up with him, and we talked for a while. And then I dropped my sketchbook off with him, it, you know, to give him the honor of doing the first sketch, which turned out lovely. He did Batgirl. And then in the top right, you've got a profile of the commish smoking a pipe which was great and yeah we just talked for a while and ended up setting an interview which is weird that I'm going to be interviewed by somebody which will happen on Sunday but I'll get back to Scott for sure so then I just continued to walk around and uh, just hang out with people basically or shop and peruse and still on the hunt for the pop figs I picked up my sketchbook and then at 12.30 got in line for Tom King and I was the 14th person in line by 12.30 and then came up on one and he, he was a little late. But I got in and I asked, could you do one of your, your doodles that you do for me? And he did. And it's, 
you've got the Gotham skyline and a stick figure Batgirl and a stick figure Nightwing, of course, with a butt because Nightwing is well known for his gluteus maximus and a heart between the two of them. And I'm so sorry, he wrote, as well as his signature, signature. So that was a lot of fun. Then went to lunch. And after that, I quickly, I went back to the hotel just to drop off some of the things because I bought those books. So they were kind of heavy and uh, dropped those off. And then continued. I mean, basically, when I came back, I was just trying to find Tom because Tom was not going to stay for Sunday. He was going to leave at about six, I think, five or six. And so I just wanted to hang out with him and his son. And then uh, Shagalicious joined us as well. So we just walked around the convention floor talking. And then Tom departed. And then Shagalicious and I just walked around the <laughs> the, the floor as well, waiting for uh, people to do some dinner. And while this was happening, I was able to find a, a gift for Don. And Don Don thinks it's a trap. I guess you can find out later whether it really was a trap or not. And I found a gift for Josh. And I don't know if Josh thinks it's a trap or not. He'll find out soon enough. I sent that away on uh, today, that the day I'm recording it. He should get it soon. And it's interesting because sometimes I, I like to think about my purchases. So I thought about what I, I almost said what I was going to get, but that would be bad. I thought about the, the gift for Don. I looked at it for a while, and I thought, oh, man, I think he would really like this. But I left, and I'm with Chagawishes at this time. And then we're going to a couple booths, and we go farther away. And I said, you know, I think I'm going to get that. And it was funny because the lady, it ended up being, she didn't have any more of that particular thing. And I could take the one that was on display, or she was going to come later on and bring back some more the next day. But what ended up happening is two, I think it was later when um, Grunkle, Grunkle Keith was there, and I think Shagalicious and somebody else maybe, oh, he was buying something, but it was also earlier, I think they were talking to Kevin McGuire, but I looked and I saw something that was similar to what I was going to get done, but different. And it was higher up, so it wasn't in my eye level when I was close to the booth. And so I actually walked over there, and I said, Grunkle Keith, which one do you like better? And he actually liked the one at the top as well. So it turned out that I ended up getting that top one rather than uh, the other one that I was going to get. And I think I made a good decision. I'll let you know if, <laughs> if Don thinks it's a trap or not, or if he is trapped by what happened. But that worked out. So I sometimes think consider my purchases and unfortunately I, I did not fare well with the spider-man pops but i did find a miles morales from the marvel spider-man game so i did snatch him up he was only five dollars i thought that was a pretty good buy and so i'll just wait to see if i can get the other two pops which will be fun he can join them so that was, I mean, that was basically Saturday. I got Tom King's, and then, yeah, after that, I dropped off my sketchbook with Luke Dobb, and I gave him all freedom of which variation of Barbara Gordon he was going to draw. And I think, by, you know, by that time, we were getting set for, for dinner, and we just hung out a little bit more, and then we had a, a larger group and then went to dinner. So that was basically our Saturday. And uh, before I move on to Sunday, though, I will say that I did catch a bit of a sound clip. Or, I, yeah, I caught a sound clip from, or I caught a sound bite from Tom King. So I'll put that here. Hello, Tom. What's going on? How are you? How are you doing? I'm doing well. Do you guys have Denny over there? Yeah, when he gets there, he's in a panel right now. He's in a panel. I sent him a sign. So. Oh, okay, yeah. Are you going to right now or what? Yeah, I did. I'll bring it back to you at 3 o'clock. If he'll sign the white flight, that'd make me so happy. Where do you want him to sign? Just in the white, where everyone's else signing. Right there? Yeah. You rock, man. Look at that. Yeah, I should I actually go say hi to him, though. Uh, you can still do that. <laughs> I can still later. do that right there. Yeah. But just in case. I was wondering if you could do one of the doodles that It'll you do It'll be so on bad. You will hate it. Could you do a back roll doodle instead of a Batman doodle? Yes, I'm no good at girls, but it'll be okay. okay. Yeah, I'll do it. I love the ones you put on Instagram. They crack me up, especially when you say I'm sorry at the bottom. So. <laughs> Don't worry. You will, you will be immediately sorry okay. for this decision. So did you know that Dick and Babs stole the honeymoon suite that Selena and Bruce were going to have in back roll number 25? I did know that because I got sent an advanced version. Okay, okay. 
Uh, I imagine Batgirl looks a lot like Batman, but with hair. Yes. Let's try that. But she smiles, unlike Batman. Oh, yes, she does. Oh, I messed that nose up. Okay, it's about... <laughs> He's got a, she's got a weird nose. Uh, I don't know how to draw girl bodies. I don't know how to say that politely. She's got hair, though. Lovely. See, I told you you would regret it. Lovely. The, I knew what shoes. I was asking for. Look at that. That's freaking terrible. I'm glad you're here at this con without the need of a bodyguard. I I'm the bodyguard. Oh, it's me. Apologies. No one thinks I'm scary enough to be a bodyguard. Maybe that's the best thing. So when you drop pick them, they don't see it. Yes. Look that. This is Nightwing. Oh. He's still my shipper heart. He's got a took his. Oh, thank you. It's, I learned how to do this when I was five years old. I don't know if it still works. Yeah, great. Some people like that. Some people do like Right? Yes. Come on. How can we. So, uh. Sure, sure, sure. And I guess Nightwing has some hair, <laughs> unlike me. Look at that, they're in love! Windows in, you know it's building. They're very large windows. <laughs> Is that, is that okay? It's lovely. It's fairly terrible. Yeah, be sure you sign it, and if you want to, you can put I'm sorry as well. That's it your, will definitely have an I'm sorry. <laughs> says I'm like so sorry. Beautiful. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, I wish I could draw, like, so bad. And this is me putting a lot of effort into a thing. You make up for it with your writing, though. I'm making, not, so. No, I don't. Just look at how bad my handwriting is. Well, nice. you've got a letter Even from my that, signature so. is terrible. Anyways, there's love. Thank you so much. I'm sure. <laughs> Keep up the good work, Tom. Nice to see you again. You too, sir. Yeah. Nothing too interesting, but it was fun. It's sometimes fun to have conversations with creators when they're signing things. So Sunday was a little... I would say even though Saturday wasn't very busy, Sunday was even less so, and people were going to leave, so you also get a little, you know, a little bit emotional because you were hanging out with these people, and not as intense as when I go to San Diego because I'm, you know, attached to Don and Josh for several days, but it's still, I mean, I don't see these people as much as I do Josh and Don, whom I see about once a year, and so I was getting a little sad, actually. I kept asking Chagalicious if he was getting sad, and he said, yeah, and I asked somebody else when Chagalicious uh, left, I said, did you cry when he left? And he said, that's none of your business. <laughs> so little Russell wouldn't let me know. But Sunday, no running. I did consider, uh, Chag almost ran. He was considering, he was like 80% at one point, and then he decided he couldn't do it. And I almost got Luke Dobb to run as well. But then he said he wasn't prepared for it because he didn't have the right shoe footwear, I guess, and the wrong pants. I don't know. But he could have found a way if he really wanted to. So one day, though, one day is, that's a pretty good get. So we had breakfast on Sunday at a what was it called? It's like Saturday morning cafe or something. So I guess they're breaking some sort of rule, but they do it anyways. And yeah, just back to the convention hall. And I actually had an interview, someone interviewed me for their website, which should be up sometime. And their website is called Fanbase Press. So absolutely uh, check that out potentially. <laughs> If you're interested in, in seeing an interview. But yeah, I just talked about uh, my podcasting a little bit, about being at the con for the first time, about my love of Batgirl and, and Barbara Gordon in particular and, and why I follow her. So that was kind of surreal just to be on the opposite side of the microphone, but it was a lot of fun. I went back to Scott Larson and I talked with him. So here is that interview now. 
I'm here with Scott Larson at Baltimore Comic-Con. Scott, how's your con so far? Uh, the con's been great. I've really enjoyed it. This is my first time in Baltimore. Other cons that you go to are primarily in Chicago, is that correct? They have been. In the past, as a patron, I've gone to San Diego. I've gone to New York. Um, but as I am here selling my book, um, or with my book, rather, um, I've only been to C2E2, uh, Wizard World, and a bunch of small library cons. I've actually known you for a while, so this is not like a random interview. We've known each other since my Spider-Man crawl space days, and that's how we met. And I think you had sent me some of your work prior when you were a penciler. Now you've got your own creator-owned comic called Visitations. Can you tell us what are or is Visitations? Uh, Visitations is the history of the 20th century as seen through the eyes of the residents of a Victorian cemetery. How did you come up with this idea? The short version of the story is that uh, it came to me in a dream. Uh, I had found out that and I have uh, some ancestors who are buried in an old Victorian cemetery in Chicago. And when I went to visit their graves, uh, the first thing I saw when I walked into the, um, into the cemetery was a gigantic statue that looked like the Spectre from DC Comics. And uh, there are all kinds of really weird monuments throughout that uh, cemetery. And I went to bed one night and I woke up and the story for the first issue was in my head. How many issues do you think you'll have for this whole run? Well, actually, before you do that, can you talk about you have three issues out right now? I have three issues out right now. So the, the story is set up. It is, um, it's going to be a number of different series because everyone likes to buy new number ones of things. That's true. And, um, and so the first series is the turn of the century. The second series will be the 1920s. The third series will be 1940s. And we'll see how far I get from there. Okay. Um, so I, my, my hope is... Is what I think I'm going to do is I, I think I'll have like 12 issues for each series. And um, and what, what was your question again? Uh, just how many, well, about the issues you have out now, can you do a little bit of like what's an issue one? Oh, sure. Um, yeah. The issue one is the, um, the, the introduction to the characters. The characters are based on monuments like I had mentioned, and there's about seven characters uh one it some of them are ghosts some of them are not okay and they're uh led by by a magician named uh clayton blackwood who's partially uh based on houdini okay and and there's there's all kinds of secrets that surround him and there is of course since it's a comic book an arch villain named Bahardo and there's mysteries uh, surrounding him as well and his connection with some of the characters uh, so some of the characters are monuments that come to life some of them are ghosts that are stalking uh, the cemetery or stalking the city of Chicago for whatever reason and um, and each of the issues uh, past the first issue uh, covers one one character. So it's kind of like the old Alpha Flight when John Byrne started doing it. He did the first issue where you kind of got an introduction to people. And then uh, and then the second issue dealt with like the Guardian character. And then it kind of went on. And then by the end of the 12 issues, all the characters came back together. Okay. And then that way you get to know the characters. You get to understand who they are. You get to see their secret origins. And hopefully you get to like them. And then we'll see if your favorite character survives or not by the end of the first series. Oh my not all the characters will be um, will be going into the second series. Okay. And one of the things I'm doing in the series is with each issue. So the the first and the second issue are exclusively um, turn of the century. Okay. The third issue starts out in, ni- in the 1920s, and you get to meet uh, some of the new characters in that first issue. You get to meet a character named the Aviator who has a connection to a character in the uh, the turn of the century ones, and then you get to meet another one named Yank who was a uh, World War One veteran. Okay. Um, in the in issue number four, it, it starts in the 1940s, and then go, and then does a flashback to the turn of the century. You get to meet uh, Visitation's characters who are around the 1940s. 
in, in uh, issue five, it'll start out in the 1960s, and you're going to meet visitation characters who will be exclusive to the 1960s, and then it'll flash back to the turn of the century. So all of this will feed into each other, and hopefully by the end of the entire series, whenever that will be, um, everything will tie in together. What sort of research do you do before writing each of these issues? Um, it, uh, there's some stuff I know. I, I've I'm a huge uh, fan of Chicago history, uh, primarily because the Untouchables TV show from the uh, from the 90s. Actually, it's it was it was a syndicated show, uh, kind of like the Star Trek programs. So I got some of my information from there, and I kind of built off of that. And uh, and I looked up the real events, and I did this actually when I was younger. That didn't have anything to do with the book. So I came in knowing a lot of stuff. Um, there is a book called um, Gangs of Chicago. Um, and it's written by the same guy who wrote Gangs of New York. Okay. And uh, and that I, I I read as much of that book as I could stomach. It was it was pretty brutal. But um, it used to be called Gem of the Prairie. So I, I've read through that book. There's a book called Sin in the Second City. I've read through that book as well. With um with, with certain events that that come to me, I'll go and I'll research them. I um in the fourth issue of the book, there are um. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, oh, sorry, sorry if I want to like shout in someone's ear, no, I'll sure. go visit my grandma. Oh. Um, <laughs> But uh, I, I found out there are uh, there were fortune tellers around the turn of the century called the Bang Sisters, and what they did was they um, they would have blank canvases, and then images would appear on the canvases, and then they'll talk. They would talk about what that image was when they were doing seances and stuff, and uh, and so they've made. Somebody told me about them, and I I did research, and they made their way into the book. So it's kind of coming from different places. Um, when I first started, I went to the library and just grabbed a bunch of books, and then the books just sat there, and I never touched them. So as I'm going through the stories, I'll go and I'll find stuff. Okay. Um, with, the, with the second issue, it's a balloon race story, and I decided to do it because it sounded like fun, and it sounded like very turn of the century. And then I found out that there was actually a balloon race uh, in Chicago in 18... Or, I'm sorry, it was 1908, and uh, it was called the Windy City Balloon Race, and the Chicago Historical Museum was nice enough to send me photos of it. And so, um, and they're a great resource for different things, and the, the staff there is helpful, so if I have a question about anything, I can reach out to them, and then they'll okay. tell me, or they'll point me in a really good direction. If you're not a resident of Chicago, can uh-huh. people still grasp this and, and have fun with the story? I should hope so. Um, you know, what, what my favorite character in uh, in all of fiction is Spider-Man. I'm a big fan of Peter Parker. Uh, you know, like everybody else, I saw myself in Peter sure. Parker. And uh, Peter Parker is from New York. I lived in New York for a very short time, but I read Spider-Man way before that. And... Um, and so that never affected my love for Spider-Man. One of the other books that I really liked was James Robinson's Starman. Okay. And the thing about that book was he made Opal City a character in the book. And that's what I'm doing with this story. Um, the, the story is about the characters more than it is about Chicago. Okay. Chicago is just the setting. And the historical stuff is real. But, but I'm fictionalizing a little bit of it, too. And it is very much like the, uh, the Untouchables uh, TV show from the 90s or the or even the movie from the 80s, um, where it's like, it's a cool setting, but the story is about the characters, and it is about the spooky stuff, and it is about, you know, it's about the human aspect in in a lot of different ways, um, and and how we relate to each other, and how we've changed from the turn of the century to uh, to present day, and I find that fascinating. And you're bringing in contemporary issues as well, right, with your number three? Can you talk a little bit about what you do? Sure. Um, Number three is... um, it, it deals with an area of the city that was known as the Levee, and the Levee was the birthplace of organized crime, and it was also the infamous um, the, the infamous red light district of Chicago. There is a book by Karen Abbott called Sin in the Second City, and so it got glamorized a little bit within the past 10 years. I had actually learned of it from an Untouchables episode, um, even though the history part of that was a little fake. Um, I grew up, when I was growing up, I grew up uh, down the street from a red light 
Lake District, and I didn't know it. There were motels all over the place. And there was one night when I was 19, and I was walking home from a friend's house, and I was walking down Motel Row is what it was called, and and I was thinking about Batman because it was the summer of the Michael Keaton Batman. <laughs> sure. And and I was thinking about this, and this woman came up to me and asked me if I wanted a date, and I had no clue what she was talking about. And I'm like, well, I don't have any money. And then she's like, oh, well, you can't be dating without any money. And she, like, walked off. And it, it, I didn't understand why somebody would do that. And if you are a male and you live in a small town, in a big city, in a good neighborhood or a bad neighborhood, human trafficking exists. And there are people who call themselves sex workers, and they do it for themselves. Um, but, but more to the point, there are a lot of girls who are... Um, and I say girls because a, a lot of people are drafted into this, and that's a nice way of putting it. At a very young age, 12 and 13 seems to be the, the, the minimum age. And... Um, they're basically used as sex slaves, and and it, and it's not just. I know that there's been a lot about um, about uh, people coming in from foreign countries, people being kidnapped in foreign countries and coming in. You know, a lot of Koreans, a lot of uh, a, a lot of um, a lot of Muslims as well. But uh, but a lot of people are are transported from state to state, and that's been going on for for decades and decades, and it makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. It scares me. We're living in the 21st century. Slavery was abolished in this country in the 1800s. And that is a form of slavery that is still happening. And when you come... Uh, I'm, I'm a guy. Um, and when it comes to guys talking about it, guys don't understand. They, you know, it's like, oh, hey, this happened. And I was on a podcast uh, when the book came out. And... Um, one of the guys who was interviewing me, it was like a Skype thing, although it was like Google Hangouts or whatever. But um, but I told him the story I just told you, and he smiled. And it's like, and that's the reaction that you get from a guy, because a guy doesn't understand what's happening. It's like, this year, it's not a victimless crime. And if this was your sister or your daughter or your cousin or your best friend, you know, this is something that, that's hurting them. And you don't know it. And, and so it's not just like a fun time. Uh, it's your Comic-Con attendees. Sorry, you're going to be doing some heavy editing. I guess, yeah. <laughs> So, um, so I think that that the male population—it's not that that men are unsympathetic of this. I think that it's just a matter of education. Yeah. And one of the things with the book in general, um, you heard a minute ago when I was talking to somebody, I'm tricking people into learning history, and I'm and with that particular book, I'm tricking people into learning what um, what uh, prostitution is and how it affects people, and um, and that that actually. That episode of The Untouchables that I had mentioned, when I saw that, I had no clue, even though I had been approached a couple times before that, and I was sickened when I saw that episode. And uh, the third issue is the uh, is the one that uh, I was the most uncomfortable with. So yeah, I just, I, I think that it's not something that is... Um, that is thought of. Yeah. You know, we, we, we all think about feeding the homeless, and we all think right. about... Um, about different issues I think that's really the main one um, that, that comes up all the time but but people being trafficked bothers me a lot right yeah and I agree with you I think the the best way and the first way to fight is education because some mm-hmm. people just don't know that it's happening mm-hmm. and it's you know it, it's it's interesting because it's the, the, it can be made attractive and I think that's what draws people in. And it's not, you're not going to a strip joint. You know, it's not nice and legal and, and everybody knows it. So, you know, and, and that's just my take on it. Um, my cousin read the third, third issue and I said, well, what did you think of it? And she's like, that was really creepy. And I'm like, yeah, well, it's, and it's meant to be. Um, so I'm always interested in feedback from that one in particular yeah. because it, the, the story itself is 90% fact. Um, there is a lot of history in there as well. Uh, there is the secret origin of the um, of the character uh, known as the Piper Boy, and um, and what happened not what happens to him, but what happens to somebody who who he. He, he was associated with what was a true story and it came out of that uh, Gangs of Chicago. Okay. 
Okay. You did it. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to read it, and I'll definitely give you feedback. But it's interesting that you're here in Maryland because I-95 is actually a really horrible trafficking from north to south. It's one of the worst interstates. I, it's really interesting. I When I was finishing the book up... I started finding um, some different groups that that were helping trafficking traffic girls, and um, and I hadn't thought about it before that. And I listened to I saw this podcast called The Whore Next Door, and it was somebody who's like a, a sex worker person. She does like adult videos, and she's got a podcast, and she's edgy. You know, it's okay. typical twenty first century sure. thing. It's like I'm edgy, and yeah. you should listen to me. But she was talking to somebody who had um, partnered up with Kevin. Smith, and they started an organization called the Wayne Foundation. Okay. And she had mentioned that, and I did a Google search, and uh, it's not Catholic Charities, but it's one of those organizations. Um, Covenant House okay. has um, has all the different places that, that people are being trafficked throughout the nation. Chicago's a real bad one, too. Okay. My assumption is New York is really, yeah. really, really bad, too. Um, and it's just, it's it's like I said, I think it's scary. I think it's a scary, scary thing. Yeah. And we're human beings. We're not animals. Yeah. And I would prefer people be treated like human right. beings. Absolutely. You know, it's must, as much as possible. And the people who are doing, you know, I feel like I'm kind of going off on this, but the people who are doing the trafficking, they don't care. They don't care. They're interested in money. It's the same as people who are dealing drugs. They don't care what happens to you. They don't care what happens to your family. They, all they want is however much money they're going to get. And I, it's, it's gross. I think it's sick. We're not to leave on a on a downer, though that uh-huh. this is important stuff to talk about, but it you is. promised a Maryland ghost story. So to finish out our little talk here, can you give us a good Maryland ghost story? I can absolutely do that. So uh, so I need to ask you, though, okay. what kind of story would you like? Do you want a real scary one? And the reason I'm asking that is there are a couple guys who came to the table yesterday. They, they come, I talked to them about the book, and then... Um, and then they came back, and I said, what kind of story do you want? And they said, dial it up to 10. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. And and there is a story I told them, and they're like, that's really creepy. And I'm like, you asked for it? And then they're like, I may have trouble sleeping tonight. Thanks a lot. And they left. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, let's not, because people will be listening to this, too, so we have to think about the broader audience. So is there, like, a maybe PG-13 one you can think I of? I can't. Well, I none of them are rated X. Well, but um, well, I know we're I, talking about I the human trafficking. It, yeah. But, yeah, none of them are rated X. So a little spooky, but it won't cause me distress on my drive home. Yeah, I hope not. Okay. Um, so but before I do that, I will say that um, I, do, um, I do haunted Chicago stories in the city. Okay. And there is a ghost hunter... Excuse me, named Amelia Cotter, who actually came from Maryland. She's got a great book called Ghosts of Maryland. That's where my information came from on this, and I knew I was coming here. My hope is that next year, when I come here, that I'm able to do a panel on Haunted Maryland. Okay. Uh, primarily because it's fun, and a lot of people show up, and a lot of people get interested in the book that way, too. Um, so there is Lookout Point State Park. Do you know where that is? It actually sounds familiar. It is um, It is in Scotland in St. Mary's County. Okay. And Lookout State Park has two parts to it. There is a, there is a body of water, and there is a lighthouse in the body of water. The lighthouse is... Um, the lighthouse has been deserted for years and years and years. People cannot get to it. But one of the things is, is there is a woman dressed in blue that you can see from in the window of the lighthouse. Like, constantly. I mean, okay. it happens. Um, but the park itself have been a Civil War staging area. One of the things that's really interesting about a lot of the Maryland ghost stories is there are a lot of Civil War-related stories. There's, like, Samuel Mudd's house, which is which is haunted. There's there's a, and there's a just Jerusalem Bridge, which is the scariest. But with Lookout State, uh, State Park, Point Lookout State Park, it's a campground. And people will be sleeping in the campground, and they will get the feeling that somebody has just kicked their legs. And the... 
they surmise that it was like a Civil War general like waking his troops up. Okay. And these same people will be like driving away in their car and they'll look they'll look at the uh, rearview mirror. And in the rearview mirror there is uh, Civil War troops either marching behind them or jogging behind them in formation. Oh. And on top of that there's you know the the usual hauntings there, there's uh, there's a number of different haunted uh, things that kind of travel from every haunting night. Ghost lights, which are glowing orbs. Um, disembodied voices, which are at the, the Lookout St. State Park. At Point Lookout State Park. And, um, you know, change in temperature, shoving, that kind of stuff. Um, one of the things that is that is heard also is rhythmic drumming. Okay. Like, you know, like the Civil War drum. And so that's, that's all kind of interesting. So that's a modern Okay. But if you if you would like me to talk to you around Halloween time, I'd love to uh, oh I'd love to yeah. come on your show and tell oh you goodness. all about like some yeah. Maryland ghost stories. Yeah, you should. Yeah, and or ghost stories time, from around the country. Charlottesville ghost stories would be interesting too. I can to, look that up. Here, that'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be fun, special. Well, for people who won't see you at a con, how can they buy your book? How can they support you? Um, there are a number of different ways. I do have a website. It's Visitations Comic Book. Com. And uh, you get to see the environment. You get to learn about the characters. You get to see a little bit of the story. Um, the first issue of the book is um, free digitally to anyone who wants it. All they have to, uh, all anyone has to do is email me, and my email is visitationscomicbook at gmail.com. That's V-I-S-I-T-A-T-I-O-N-S, comic book, at visitations. Or at gmail.com that's G-M-A-L-I-L um, and I'm happy to send that book out the reason is is I had worked in independent comics for a long time and actually when we had met I was working uh, for AC Comics Fem4 stuff and um, when comic books and I, I want to tell, tell everybody this because it's something that people don't always realize comic books are an assembly line and you have the right generally you have the writer the penciler the inker the colorist and the letterer and with a lot of um, a lot of indie comics or uh, small press comics, they're done fairly cheaply, and which is a nice way to put it. And someone will inevitably come along and destroy artwork along that assembly line. I've had people mess stuff up with inking. I've had people mess up stuff with coloring, which is, which is you know that 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 sounds kind of normal. I've had people screw up things with lettering, which is it's like that's amazing. How in the world did you manage that? That must have taken really hard work. So I decided that if anyone was going to mess up my stuff, it was going to be me. Um, and I'm sure once you read the issues, you'll be like, what was he thinking? <laughs> he totally screwed this up. But um, but so it's the first thing I've ever worked on my, on my own. I want people to read it. I want people to like it. And I want people to pass it along. So the, the PDF of the first issue, anybody can have it. Pass it. Email me. I'll send it to you. Pass it along to your friends. Pass it along to your enemies. You can send it to the guy at the coffee shop you can send it to anybody okay well it's been a pleasure to meet you first of all I loved and it. talk it was with great. you about this yeah thank you so much thank you and really sunday for me was just looking around the vendors one last time seeing if there was anything else that i would like to purchase either for myself or for gifts taking pictures of any people that might strike my fancy like I found a Spider-Man Noir which was a lot that was awesome he is actually I really love Spider-Man Noir I think he's an awesome creation and I love the costume in particular and I did see my beloved Iron Fist a couple times and a couple back rolls, of course. So, you know, just having fun and walking around the, the convention. And then it's it really starts winding down very quickly. So Shagoishis was going to leave about, ooh, like 11, 11.30. And so I walked him out and said goodbye to him. And then I came back and just did a couple more things and, and ended, out, ended up leaving about 12.30 or so and... Luckily, the traffic was not as bad going back, but 495 still slowed me down a little bit. But 
that was basically, you know, my con. Uh, I think probably other people's stories might be more exciting because they did get to meet these great legends and have things signed. I will say, though, that I talked with Terry Moore on Sunday, which was a lot of fun. So he, I ended up buying the Motor Girl Omnibus, which is the, actually, I was going to say the one thing I haven't read of his, but I haven't read Strangers in Paradise either, which I really want to read. But everything that I read from him, which is really just Rachel Rising and echo i love and it's just amazing how well he's able to write female characters i think it's awesome and there's this really odd couple in rachel rising jet and earl it's just if you look them up you can tell what an odd couple they are so he was signing my copy that of motor girl that i just bought and i was saying you know i love how you put these two together and he talked about that he didn't want this really masculine guy. And, you know, I said, yeah, well, he's just so, he's beautiful on the inside and Jet can see that. And it was just a fun conversation. And I asked if he was going to be able to get to do it anymore because there's been rumors that Rachel Rising will happen again. And he said that one way or another, if it's not comics, it's going to be something else. So I look forward to that. And I hope that at some point I can read Strangers in Paradise, maybe borrow it from somebody or something. But that was a lot of fun as well. So Baltimore Comic-Con as a whole, I very much enjoyed. It was smaller than San Diego Comic-Con. So I'm just going to compare it in the sense of it's smaller, but also it's less frenetic. And that's a positive thing because San Diego, you can barely walk across the convention floor, right? You're bumping into people. And so to be able to take the time, slow down and look at vendors, talk with people, that's a lot of fun. And I think I had way more fellowship time with people than I normally do at San Diego Comic-Con. So that's, I think, one of the the big reasons why you should go to Baltimore Comic-Con. It's very comparable to Heroes Con. If you've been to Heroes Con in Charlotte, I think you would very much enjoy Baltimore Comic Con. Another reason to go is because it's very much focused, I think, on the creators, on old school creators and current creators, and just being able to sign and talk with those people, I think, is a big reason why you should go. Because, you know, a Bigger Comic-Cons is more focused on, I think, I was going to say the pop culture aspect, but that's really everything. You know, just the the movies, the TVs and everything. But this is very, I would say, comic-focused. Yeah, there were some movie stars like Zachary Levi was there at Baltimore Comic-Con. And I'm trying to think who else. Uh, Trisha Elfer, is that her name from Battlestar Galactica? I think that's her name. So, you know, there were a couple, but... For the most part, I think it's very dedicated to comic, comic legends, comic, again, writers and artists of the past and the present. And people appreciate that. You know, that's why people are bringing stacks of comics to have signed by these people. So I think Baltimore Comic Con is a worthwhile place to go and visit. And I think next year in 2020, it's in October, but at the end of October... So I don't know if I'll be going back. My cons are sort of dictated by who is going to be there because <laughs> I generally don't go by myself. So I don't know if I will return, but I certainly would. I certainly would. Again, I would recommend Baltimore Comic Con for sure. If you're interested in hearing other coverage of Baltimore Comic Con, I know for sure that Tom Panarese over at Pop Culture Affidavit is definitely going to do something. And he interviewed me for, you know, a hot minute. I have no idea what I said, but it was probably pretty inane. So I apologize for if if I bore you basically in that little interview. But this was a little quick, quick and dirty episode just to talk about it. And again, I recommend Baltimore Comic Con. And I especially recommend going with friends because that was, for me, that was the, the best part of it for sure. Remember, you can send any questions or comments to backrolltheoracle at gmail.com. You can also find the show on Google Play and Stitcher. Like the show on Facebook or follow it on Twitter at backrolltheoracle. And follow the Batman Universe on Facebook and Twitter as well. Be sure to support the Batman universe by subscribing to Patreon. And once again, thanks to Mile High Comics for sponsoring Backroll the Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Until next time, which will be No Man's Land Part 3, fly on, Babs lovers. Just plain Barbara Gordon, masquerading for a lark as she rides into the night on her special Batgirl cycle. Who knows? Is the dynamic duo destined to become the triumphant trio? 
Only time will tell us more about this dazzling dare doll. Ah, I love a happy ending, don't you?